maybe getting bigger there's a trade-off for that so for example as a rugby player if you add five six kilos of lean mass you have to fuel and carry that lean mass so it might have unless you get proportionally stronger and more powerful it might actually make you slower if you do it too quickly it might be harder for you to bring that around the field for 80 minutes of intense effort so again that's something to think about with regards to putting on size and strength is what are your goals what's your current um weight do you want to get heavier and that would that would dictate how your training set up Hello and welcome to episode number 29 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. Myself and Kieran Ruddock in FS Studios on Leeson Street, uh, about to record a pod, just the two of us, Ruds. Yep, down here, ready to rock. Ready to rock, it's getting chilly, which is kind of a big part of the team. Winter's coming, so that can only mean one thing, bulking season, Ruds, hibernating time, getting close to your usual uh, Christmas time feast. You like to pack down with the Ruddocks and put away a lot of food over the festive period? Yep, Christmas Day is a special day for many reasons, and uh, a big feed is one of them. That is the main reason in your household. So what we're going to talk about uh, over this podcast, Rhodes, is pretty much a question that we get asked a lot at the gym. Uh, people looking to build size, build strength, and put on a little bit of weight. Yeah, um, i say probably a good place to start would be maybe just giving a quick definition in terms of the difference between size, strength, and weight, and how they can kind of interplay. So um, obviously... If you have uh, strength, for example, is the ability to uh, exert force. Size, muscle size is going to be determined by muscle girths or um, DEXA scan, bod pod, something looking at lean muscle mass. Um, And then weight is going to be obviously the weight on the scales. Um, Often they can interplay. So if, if someone's getting stronger, often they put on muscle mass, often their body weight goes up but they don't necessarily all have to interlink. Um, For example, you could have someone who's a weight class sport athlete who could be getting stronger but not putting on any weight or muscle mass because that's the demands of their sport and they're tailoring their training around that. So uh, probably a good place to start just talking about the differences there. Yeah, so lots to consider. And it's often something that gets confused between the three. So we'll get, you know, the usual question of, uh, I'm feeling really strong, uh, but, you know, everything's going well. All the markers are going up the gym, but I'm not losing weight. The scales isn't going down. And we've talked about it before, The when people are increasing their muscle mass, how the scales isn't everything. You often you always say, Rods, look on, you know, your clo- how your clothes feel, how you look in the mirror, how you're feeling. Um, but when they do interlink, what is the most common thing that we see in terms of people when they're actually looking at putting on size? What would the kind of key markers you'd look at there with their with their weight? Um, with regards to size, assuming body fat stays exactly the same, then you will see the scale weight go up if you're increasing muscle mass. Um, good markers, I think, are progress photos every four weeks. Uh, I really like them because they give you an indication uh, in conjunction with the scales as to what's happening with your body composition. Another simple one is just taking muscle girths, maybe taking your bicep, your chest, uh, your stomach, your glutes, uh, quads and calves can be a nice simple thing to do uh, in conjunction with photos and weight. And that should give you a nice well-rounded picture of what's happening with your muscle mass. Those, Those three pieces of information are great when they're put together. It seems to be something that people don't seem to use as much anymore obviously we send people to ucd for bod 
pods they'll give you a good indicator of you know how your mass is changing but like exactly you said look at the scales if your muscle girths are generally going up uh, and as, as well as the scales you can kind of safely assume from looking at the progress pictures as well if you don't see a huge reduction in body fat you can safely assume that you're increasing the increase in weight is coming from muscle mass yeah absolutely I think the big thing is just getting in a consistent habit of measuring those three variables um, probably every two weeks for muscle girths might be a good suggestion or definitely every four weeks and doing it enough at least over a three month period to have uh, data where you can compare it a lot of people tend to measure it once or twice and then either get the results they want or not what they want and then that's the end of it the real value comes from consistently measuring those markers um, because over time then you can see the variance and it does take a little while to uh, for those markers to move up significantly so being in it for the long haul is an important thing when you're measuring those three things and obviously then there it becomes a difference when it comes to size like you're two different types of size that people could look to build yeah so with regards to muscle size you can build myofibril muscle size which is uh, myofibril hypertrophy and that will be more geared towards an athlete and what that is is just increasing uh more functional strength with regards to your muscles and the way you do this would be uh, you'd be doing say five sets of 10 on a back squat that's gonna uh, with a moderate load and that's gonna produce that uh, adaptation it's gonna be more functional you're gonna get more of a carryover with regards to strength um, and then the contrast to that might be uh, sarcoplasmic uh, hypertrophy and that's gonna be more body composition you describe that as the pump so higher repetitions um, and this works really well for people who maybe don't tolerate heavy loads as well so someone with back pain doing those higher reps more volume uh, with a lower load so for example Craig one of the trainers here at the gym he's had a long history of back pain and doesn't respond too well to heavy loading so he'd do a lot of this type of hypertrophy work where he's doing sets of 15 20s 25s or doing 10 sets of 10 something like that uh, where it's a higher repetition but a lower weight compared to maybe a 5 sets of 10 at a moderate load Um, and that allows him to get in a lot of volume it allows him to create some muscle damage um, without loading himself really heavy Um, and it could work as well for body composition because you're going to get a higher um, heart rate for that session for sure yeah because uh, the increased repetitions, the increased volume of work. So maybe just when you're thinking about your program for hypertrophy, thinking about uh, which of those styles of hypertrophy you're going to go after, or even you could combine the two. So there could be, if you're looking at just general hypertrophy, not sports performance hypertrophy, then it could be an idea to do five sets of 10 and exercise um a bigger exercise a compound lift like a squat and then you could do higher repetitions on more single joint exercises like a hamstring curl like maybe lunges walking lunges and then you could get the best of both worlds and you're not leaving much on the table in terms of muscle growth you're hitting it from many different angles um, and you might get more of a hypertrophy response with that Uh, we tend to program like this a lot in our programming when it comes to general population so doing your assist work in that five sets of 10 rep range four sets of 10 um, and then doing finishers at the end which will be higher higher time under tension more volume more intensity but much shorter 
Yeah. So kind of to summarize then, if you're talking about who each type of training is for, um, obviously you've kind of given a good idea, like sets, reps, uh, obviously rest ratios then, are they going to play a huge factor? Are they going to be similar across both types of hypertrophy? They're going to be similar across both, uh, about 30 to 60 seconds. Um, maybe when you're talking about that myofibril hypertrophy, you might go a little bit longer, 60 to 90 or even two minutes, depending on the exercise you're doing. If you're doing a lower body squat, uh, then that's going to take a little bit more rest period than say a bicep curl or uh, a, even a bench even press, press yeah. something where you're not going to take as long to recover because you're not taxing as much of your body and your cardiovascular system I know from doing um, five sets of ten on a squat you're really blowing yeah. uh, whereas ten on a bench press you're not going to be as out of breath So uh, whereas the sarcoplasmic you can keep the rest period shorter you don't want to keep them too short, though, less than 30 seconds. The reason being is your second and your third set are not going to be as much quality as it would if you give yourself 30 to 60 seconds rest so then you can come at that next set with good form and good intensity. That's a big thing that you see. I know from, uh, I kind of talked about it on another podcast recently, I was doing a bit of training in kind of commercial gyms, uh, just getting out of the gym, changing the environment up a little bit with a bit more unstructured training. And I was speaking to a guy that was sharing a, like a pec fly machine with, just trying out different machines we don't have them mm. we don't use them and uh, he was asking what type of training I was doing I was asking him and he was like I'm doing like a hypertrophy program but he was taking like you know three minutes rest disappearing on his phone or whatever it was the whole time whereas like that's a big thing that you see with hypertrophy is people taking far too much rest it's like around that 60 second mark is kind of the gold standard uh, going as low as 30 if it's something like you're saying where you know the rep range isn't too high um, and you have time to recover if you're doing like sets of 20 reps at a moderate load or kind of a moderate to low load uh, you're going to need your 60 seconds rest going every 20 or 30 seconds that you having a hope but uh, I think that's a big thing that 60 seconds is sort of a really good gold standard and um, if it's exactly like you're talking about slightly heavier and moderate you might need a bit longer if it's a little bit less uh, in terms of the load you're lifting you might need a little bit less rest absolutely and that's a variable you could play around with in your training cycle as well you could start with that 60 second rest period and do it for three weeks four weeks and then you could progress down to doing 45 seconds and add an extra set. So using the same session, you could add more volume. You could increase the intensity by cutting off that 15 seconds of rest and get it done in the same time. So that's a variable people could look around at playing with. And great if you're limited as well on equipment or space, whatever it might be, that can be a really good way. If you're doing a lot of traveling, you know, if you're doing one session a week over a six week period when you're traveling for the first three weeks, you can have a slightly longer rest. You don't have to change or get extra equipment or get anything heavier. You just cut the rest a little bit and it can make your session more challenging. Yeah, as well, you have more time to get a little bit extra volume in in some areas as well at the end of the session. Okay, right. So hypertrophy summed up as much as we can in, in, in 10 minutes. Uh, but then obviously strength runs. Yeah, with, with regards to strength, um, uh, obviously that's the ability to overcome a resistance. What I like for strength, there's four variables I think are important. Sorry, can you do both? This is the kind of big question. I want to get bigger and stronger. Like Technically, can we do both? Yes, absolutely. And they can interplay. Um, so, for example, strength is becoming more efficient at using your muscle mass. So it's a neural adaptation. So... For example, someone who starts training, they might only be using 50% of their voluntary muscle contraction. Whereas as they train more, their muscles become more efficient, their brain becomes more efficient at sending those nervous impulses to the muscle. So then they can contract 60% of the muscle. So someone who's been training for years and years and years, 
for example, Aoife, one of the coaches in the gym who uh, weightlifts and competes at an Irish level, she is highly efficient in the Olympic lifts and for her body weight, she is very, very strong. And the reason being is she's just using a much higher percentage of her voluntary contraction than I'd be able yeah. to use because I'm not as efficient in those lifts. So that's what strength is. But muscle size can also help because in theory, if you have a bigger muscle, it's like having a bigger engine in a car. So as you, you have a bigger capacity to, for efficiency to make that muscle uh, much stronger even if you look at a, a competition that doesn't have a weight category which would be the world's strongest man if you look at the guys who are winning that they tend to be on the heavier end Brian Shaw Eddie Hall those guys tend to Big be boys. heavier and they get heavier as their career progresses so I think they do interlink because those guys have got, if you use that car analogy, they've got huge motors in their car and they get becoming more efficient, but they're also increasing the size of their motor year on year. So over a 10 year period, they tend to increase their body weight and increase their strength. But if you were talking about a, a sport that doesn't have, um, which also has a demand on power or fitness uh, or work capacity, then maybe getting bigger there's a trade-off for that so yeah. for example as a rugby player if you add five six kilos of lean mass you have to fuel and carry that lean mass so it might have unless you get proportionally stronger and more powerful it might actually make you slower if you do it too quickly it might be harder for you to bring that around the field for 80 minutes of intense effort so Again, that's something to think about with regards to putting on size and strength is what are your goals? What's your current um, weight? Do you want to get heavier? And that would that would dictate how your training's set up. And for the, for the type of people that we train more often than not, you know, people that want to come, they want to get a bit bigger, they want to get stronger. You can absolutely do that. I don't oh. like you're talking about the, the real differentiation between am I doing all-out strength training or am I doing all-out hypertrophy training is exactly that, whether there's a sports-specific requirement at the end of the day. So, like, we might get a lot of guys pre-season. That, that's the best example. Starting pre-season, guys just want to put on a bit of weight, want to get stronger. So you can do that as much as you want for pre-season, but when it gets time for games to be played you might make you know you might you become more specific the closer you come to the actual sporting event but generally for the vast majority of people they can do both they don't have to make that really specific distinction in their training no and personally i and the way we program here at the gym would be we focus on both elements in our strength sessions uh we focus on building more strength a more efficient engine we focus on building more muscle building a bigger engine and they can go hand in hand and complement each other really well and also from um perspective of making your sessions more enjoyable less chance of it becoming stale by having that mixture of rep ranges in your training you you're less likely to become bored with doing the same rep ranges yeah. all the time and then also just uh, in terms of your injury prevention having so we do a lot of our hypertrophy work focusing on the muscles that tend to be underdeveloped and we try and bring those up so we do a lot of work on the posterior chain lots of pulling up a body uh, for the upper back uh, lots of uh, hamstring and glute work for the posterior chain and the legs the reason being is those areas tend to be underdeveloped in the majority of the population so we can do some hypertrophy work to build lean tissue but also 
that lean tissue is helping to correct muscular imbalances um, and I think that's really important and then in turn that helps your strength because if you have a more balanced movement pattern more balanced physique then your ceiling for your squat your deadlift your bench press is much higher now and there's less chance of you breaking down with injuries yeah so, so what are your favorite strategies then when it comes to the best ways to build strength so what are the key things that you'd look at Frequency is something that through the last six years of coaching experience, I found that programs with a higher frequency work really well for our population. Um, The reason being, so what frequency is? Frequency is how many times a a week or a month, but I'm going to break it down to a weekly basis. Are you exposing your body to that strength stimulus so for example deadlift how many times a week are you deadlifting if you deadlifted once and then you progressed it to two times a week that's an increase in your frequency the reason that works really well is it ties into my second point which is specificity so being specific with your training so if i want to improve my deadlift if i deadlift twice a week I get more volume in that lift. I get more of an overload, but it's specific to deadlift. And strength is a skill at the end of the day. So I talked about efficiency. It gives your body a chance to become more efficient at that lift, thus producing more force. But also it gives you a chance to practice the skill. So practicing a skill twice a week for myself and my Olympic lifting, my Olympic lifting went on to a whole new level when I did it twice a week, just because I was getting the chance to refine and practice that skill more. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment called The Talent Code, and that talks about the myelin in your brain. So you have your neurons and you have your uh, synapses. So they're firing for a skill. But then when you repeat that skill with correct form and you're getting feedback either internal feedback or external feedback from a coach then you wrap around this myelin sheath that makes it easier for you to recall and make that skill become automatic so what they found in top performers is they do more deliberate practice like the 10,000 hour reel from yeah. Malcolm Gladwell that is where the frequency and specificity come in. So if you're doing a lift two, three times a week, then you're going to be getting better at that lift. It's going to become more automatic. Um, And then the last two points would be intensity would be another one. The strength coach, Dan John, talks about the Goldilocks rule. So uh, what that means is not lifting too heavy, not lifting too light. There's a sweet spot. And I find this is one of the biggest mistakes I ever made and one of the biggest mistakes that I try and get everyone I coach out of. If you lift too... Ego has nothing to do with this, surely. (laughs) If you lift too heavy, then if strength is a skill, you're practicing failing every session. So you're laying down the motor pattern to fail every session. But also, if strength is a neural adaptation, when you go absolutely max effort, that's harder for your body's nervous system to recover from. When you add in working a job, stress, all these things on top of it, your recovery ability isn't as much as a professional athlete. So every time when you're going into the gym and you're lifting five reps and below and you're failing, you are practicing an improper skill. So I talked about myelin being laid down when it's correct and you're doing the right form. So you're relaying that motor pattern. But also in terms of ability to recover, if you're doing that every time you come to the gym, you're going to find it super hard to deadlift two, three times in a week. 
and then over the weeks you're just going to become burned out so that would be another one is lifting at the correct intensity so always feeling like with your strength work that you're doing it with excellent form and you have one to two reps left in the tank that would be a good goldilocks uh, rule when for would me. you break that rule then like testing okay if you were testing if you if you're a beginner i wouldn't break that rule because you're define, bought, define what you think a beginner is so the beginner would be within your first six months to year of strength training but that's going to depend as well on are you consistent with your strength training are you doing it with excellent form but in a general guideline that's why i class a beginner it's as. like that rule of people who go skiing and it's like have you skied much before yeah i've skied for 10 years but you've skied for one week of 10 years it's like you know you say you're lifting weights a year or two like how consistently exactly are you doing it? the other thing just quickly before you go on to your last point is uh, we see that a lot with people we've, we've gotten much better as a coaching group and definitely our clients are much better at understanding now the concept of exactly like that laying down good patterns and finishing sessions without missing reps if, if you've got say a program that's just say for example it's three sets of 10 over 10 weeks if you're missing two or three reps every time because you're lifting too heavy you could be missing five to ten percent of your bench press program over 10 weeks and you know you're kind of wondering why am i not getting stronger all the time instead of actually just laying a really good foundation over eight to ten weeks and then actually when you get to that time where you can test like you're talking about you'll have a really good pattern laid down yeah absolutely um and then the final point would be form and that ties into that intensity piece is doing everything with excellent form the reason for that is injuries if you get injured that's going to put you out of your training so you talked about missing your program you're going to miss a bulk of your program uh, but also motivation it's so hard to be motivated when you're injured it's one of the biggest hurdles to overcome so by not putting yourself in that position you're going to be more motivated to train and then the other uh, thing with that is I talked about muscle imbalances and putting ceilings on your lifts yeah if you're doing things with poor form over and over and over and over again, you're going to develop big imbalances. So you're never going to be able to optimally produce force. So they'd be my big four when it comes to strength. Frequency, so doing a skill more. Uh, specificity, being specific with the lifts you want to improve, especially if you've got a specific lift you want to improve. Uh, your intensity, looking at the Goldilocks rule. And then form, doing things with excellent form. Okay, brilliant. So assuming then that uh, just like if it's a general enough program I'm looking at, uh, I'm focusing on my strength at the start of a session, things like my bench press, squat, deadlift, uh, and then I'm working on some sort of like more uh, hypertrophy towards the end of the session. Um, my main goal is to keep getting stronger, putting on that bit of size, which is exactly what I'm trying to do in my own training. Nutrition is going to surely play a huge part in that. Yeah, it is. With any goal, it's going to play a huge part in that. But when we're talking about changes in body composition nutrition becomes essential uh, the reason being is the training is a stimulus so you're giving your body a reason to get stronger a reason to increase muscle size um, but you have to give it the building blocks yeah. to do that and that's where your nutrition is going to come in yeah so like with the big areas then obviously first one that you're probably gonna look at is your calories and en energy balance that's probably the biggest one right away if you're like if you're talking about putting on size in the majority of cases unless you have a huge amount of body fat to drop you're going to be putting on weight of some description yeah absolutely you're looking at uh, energy balance is the most important set the exactly the opposite of trying to lose weight um you want to make sure that we're in a calorie surplus when it comes to increasing size and weight so somewhere in the range of 
250 to 500 calories a day um excess to what you're at a maintenance or burning um and i would touch on that point of a day as being highly important so it's (laughs) exactly like you said about the uh, consistency with training and not missing parts of your program it's exactly the same for increasing muscle size in most cases we don't want to add fat tissue while we're increasing muscle mass with a few exceptions but that's the majority of people that's the majority of people majority of people so we want to build functional tissue so with that there's a fine margin between going over 500 calories a day on a consistent basis you're probably going to start adding some fat tissue as well and we want to be doing that on a daily basis exactly the same as weight loss one of the biggest mistakes i see with people is they might be hitting that 500 surplus four or five days a week and then two or three they're below it but it's like um a spreadsheet for a business that's eaten into your profits those two or three days off so i see with most people i'm coaching is who want to increase weight they do that but they just don't do it consistently enough they don't do it seven days a week four weeks in a month and then you want to add up at least two or three months of that that's yeah. where they need to go in terms of progress and it's a strange one because you see so many people that look at like i spoke to a lot of people who would look at right i've actually increased my calories by a thousand a day and you know, oh, i just can't i, I mm. can't put on weight i can't do this i can't do that but it's that thing are you doing it all the time I, i'm hugely guilty of this myself when i was younger uh playing rugby trying to get over the magic 80 kilo mark when i was always 78 79 i go through two weeks of you know some days i'd eat 5,000, 6,000 calories now i could be burning close to 5,000 on a day so i'd always be trying to you know add in extra calories for the sake of it just to be safe but i think that's probably where understanding how many calories you're actually burning things like a you know, having some idea what calories are actually burning on a daily basis and then knowing what an extra 500 will be becomes very important instead of just, I'm going to eat as much as I can. And then it's very hard to consistently do it all the time if you're not seeing change, especially you become demotivated with it. Yeah, my, my best advice on that, you can track your calories and especially if you have no idea what calories are, then it would be a good idea to do a week of tracking your calories and see roughly what you're taking in. Weigh yourself for that week and yeah. see if your weight's going up or down and staying the same. If you do that, you should have a good guide to go at the amount I'm currently eating. I maintain my weight, so that's my maintenance, or I lost weight this week, so I need to eat more. You can work out roughly what you're going to need. Then from there, if you want to carry on tracking it and it works well for you, great. But what I tend to do is after that week, I just have written down what I'd eaten on those days. Yeah. And then from there work on three or four weeks but getting consistent with that not even focusing on adding in more calories just getting consistent with my meal prep my uh, habits and keep that exactly the same so then i've got a good guidance on how much i need and then from there once i build that habit i just simply add in one 500 calorie or 250 calorie do that for two weeks weigh myself and see if the weight goes up if it is then i'm on to what i need and i just continue that that's the way i do it the reason for that is exactly you talked about consistency it's way easier to build a consistent foundation and then add in that one simple thing so it could be after training you have a super shake that has two scoops of whey protein you have uh two servings of fruit for your carbohydrates your protein then you have um some milk or water and then maybe you could have some fats but it's not essential because post-training and you had that and you just had that every time you trained 
then that's going to give you a good or an extra snack on your off days. Yeah. That's going to give you that calorie surplus in a way that's simple for you. It's not trying to change everything all yeah. at once. That's it. And it's, it's unfortunately something that people just, it's exact. It's the all or nothing mentality. It's yeah. the same thing all the time. It's, you know, some days I eat 6,000 calories, some days I eat four. Why am I not putting on weight? Or some days I eat, 2,000 calories and I eat 4,000 calories why am I not losing weight it's exactly that consistency like you're talking about yeah um, obviously if we're looking at sort of those, that strategy having sort of say 500 calorie being in a 500 calorie surplus for kind of just general enough terms uh, obviously the food types that people are going to eat will play a huge role then in whether they're actually building muscle mass uh, you know there's, there's different ways of getting in extra calories through different macronutrients what would your advice be there? It's going to be based on what we teach to everyone is real food real results so looking to get the majority of those calories from real unprocessed foods and um, looking at balanced meals with proteins fats carbohydrates colorful fruits and vegetables because you're going to be getting more nutrient density so we're going to look feel and perform better uh, but in saying that if you're someone who is doing that already and you're struggling to get the calories in yeah. then you could add in a little bit of processed foods uh, into that to make sure you're getting more calories or it could be a case where you add in more fats so if you're already hitting protein and carbohydrates with most meals then fats can be an excellent source of calories because they contain nine grams per uh, sorry nine calories per gram yeah. and then the proteins and carbohydrates contain four so it's double the amount of calories per gram so if you're already on point with your protein and your carbs you could easily get 500 in adding in a little bit of fat to your day uh, in your snack and then that would get you up and it's not a huge amount of stomach space for just, that just stay away from those saturated fats late at night or Alan Flanagan it'll be coming yeah. back for you won't be sleeping well um, and then obviously just the kind of the key thing that people look to talk about how many grams of these things should I be having like so, some people don't mind it too much you talk about having balanced meals all the time mm. but if I'm coming in at like 80 kilos and I'm looking to what's my general protein requirement going to be for a guy who's training 3, 4, 5 times a week around the 2, 2.2 um grams per pound uh, it, no per kg sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting mixed whoa. up with, yeah whoa oh, per kg um, I like to work out the amount of body weight I have in pounds and then just use that so if I'm 240 then 240 is my uh, grams of protein yeah. I find that the simplest way to do it sound badass like an American as well so you're talking one gram per pound of body weight or 2.2 yeah. grams per, per kg. kg of body weight so if you're rocking in at 100 kgs you're hitting 220 grams of protein uh, you don't necessarily need much more than that I see some oh, people no, talking up around 3 uh, you know it's like 2.2 would kind of be the, the top end somewhere between 1.8 and 2.2 is, is a really good guide but 2.2 if you're talking about this a lot of hypertrophy training strength training looking to to increase your muscle mass yeah okay fantastic um Rudz, i think that's a lot of information for people looking to bulk coming into the winter period yeah get strong get big and have fun have fun yeah guys that's it enjoy 